ST 2016. This is interviews, music reviews, and more. This is, this is The Hotter Show. What is up, everybody? We are Molinadio here today, and episode 325 of The Harder Show. I hope you guys are doing absolutely fantastic. Thank you so very much for tuning in and clicking that play button on today's episode of the podcast. I have an absolutely devastating episode of the podcast for you here today, as I am joined by the, well, he's been undefeated for the last two years, folks, the reigning and defending Chinlock heavyweight champion of the world, CJ Felony, is here on The Harder Show. We talk all about the upcoming Chinlock Wrestling event comeback that is happening on June 4th, including an exclusive about that event. So stay tuned for that a little uh, little closer to the end of the podcast. We also talk in depth about his start with wrestling and kind of the early days of his wrestling career, how he got into wrestling, some wrestlers that really influenced him, as well as uh, we start off the podcast talking a little bit about the recent information that Stone Cold Steve Austin will be appearing in some way, shape, or form at WrestleMania against Kevin Owens. So that was fun to start off with. And we just have a lot of fun banter. Also talk a little bit about music as that was something that really made me such a big fan of CJ Felony, his work. And it was just a great episode. We talked for like almost two hours. So if you're a fan of CJ Felony or a wrestling fan, you're really, really going to love every second of this chat. I can't thank CJ enough for being such a fantastic guest and being so candid and just being a, uh, a great guy and also being a badass because he's been undefeated for the last two years. I mean, come on, let's be serious. That's the main takeaway from this podcast. And by the way, we love Danny Franchise here at The Harder Show as well as Jan Murphy. But before we get into my episode with CJ Felony, I need to take a second to thank everybody for their support on last week's episode of the show in which I had a conversation with Bryson Emmons from the Stone Cold Crows. It was a such a fantastic chat and I had a lot of great feedback Huge shout-outs again to Bryson for all of the support and for being such a fantastic guest, and also to Mitch from Stone Cold Crows as well. Definitely will be seeing Bryson come on again sometime because he has a lot more to talk about. Just like my guest here today has a lot to talk about with his career, the upcoming comeback for Chinlock Wrestling. So much ground to cover here with CJ Felony right now on The Harder Show. Let's get into it. We are graced with the presence of the reigning and defending Chinlock heavyweight champion of the world, CJ Felony, also uh, known to some people as Justin Cusino. Justin, what's up, brother? How are you? It's good to see you. Hey, buddy. Thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. An awesome introduction. I, I should get you in the ring and doing that. Oh, well, I mean, listen, there's there's people like me 
who like to do these things and like that for fun to his buddies when they walk in a room. And then there's professionals like Sideshow, but that's... Uh, <laughs> I don't know, I appreciate man. You it. might give them a run for your money. Ooh, you hear that, Sideshow? Come on. What up, man? Ah. You know? <laughs> no, huge shout out to Sideshow. I'm a big fan. But man, it's it's good to see. It's good to see, uh, you know, uh, the biggest thing, obviously, we're going to talk about today, you know, Chinlock Wrestling getting ready to make a comeback. Things are starting to kind of get back normal in the world. It's just, it's, it's a good time and it's good to, uh, it's good to finally link up with you, man. I want to do this for a while. Yeah, man. I, I'm really excited to talk to you. And like you said, Chinlock coming back, it's finally, things are finally starting to get back to normal and it, and it feels really good. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure, man. And you know, it's, it's funny guys. So for those of you who don't know, on top of the fact that Justin is a phenomenal wrestler who obviously we're going to get into all your career and everything is a lot of ground I want to cover with you, but also you're a big music fan. And there's been times I've messaged you about stuff and I'm just like, oh my God, like, I can't believe you even know that song or whatever. So like, <laughs> you know, it, it's so fun to to have all this ground that we want to cover. But one thing I wanted to immediately get your take on, because I just saw this as we are recording this Tuesday night. I just saw this video before we started. All right. And I wanted to get your immediate take on it. Assuming you've heard yeah, about this. It. Have you heard about what's happening with Kevin Owens at WrestleMania? I have. I saw the video this morning. Okay. Of the Stone Cold. Okay. I did. So for those of you who don't know Stone Cold Steve Austin, not Stone Cold Danny franchise, but Stone Cold Steve Austin, <laughs> the real one. Shout out to Danny franchise. <laughs> he has announced basically that He's going to be at WrestleMania in some way, shape, or form to either brawl or fight or have a match or open a can of whip ass on Kevin Owens. What are your immediate thoughts on that? It's been 19 years since we've seen Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestle in a ring, and he talked about his last match. Like, what are your what are your thoughts on that? So I'm good right up until you said have a match. Mm. I I don't care if he comes out and opens a can of whoop ass. I don't care if he has a little brawl. I don't care if he gets physically involved, but I do not want Stone Cold Steve Austin to have another match. And that's coming from probably the biggest Stone Cold Steve Austin fan of all time. And I'll tell you why. <clears throat> can you paint a better retirement match and moment than WrestleMania 19 versus The Rock? I don't think not you really. can. Like, I mean, and this is not a knock on Kevin Owens because I think Kevin, Kevin Owens is great but he's not the rock and it's not WrestleMania 19. I mean, it was just, even though we didn't know at the time that that was going to be his last match, it is the perfect final match of a wrestling career. And I, I always have a hard time with wrestling retirements because uh, I think retire is a funny word. Uh, you know, when a carpenter retires, that doesn't mean that they never pick up a hammer again. You know, when a when a school bus driver retires, that doesn't mean that he never gets behind the wheel of a car or, or a bus or anything else ever again. And when a wrestler retires, we have this <clears throat> this preconceived notion that that means that they'll never wrestle again, right? So we kind of poke fun at the Mick Foley's and the Ric Flair's and the Terry Funks who have retired and come back a thousand times. I don't really see fault in that. But, you know, 19 years later, after that, picture perfect retirement right. moment i just don't know that i really want to see stone cold steve austin in a wrestling match because you look at a guy like bill goldberg who came back and he sent a couple of real stinkers and mm -hmm. i just don't really want that to tarnish the legacy of arguably the greatest wrestler of all time 
Sure. Yeah, no, I totally know what you're saying. And I agree. Like as someone who, you know, I, I just missed his biggest era, but obviously remember Stone Cold Steve Austin being a kid, you know, and he's was, you know, I, I would say arguably top wrestler ever. Like, obviously there's a yeah. lot of other people we could throw in there, but as far as being a draw and all that fancy stuff, like it's gotta be Stone Cold. And I mean, I think if he comes in and, you know, throws a few punches, hits a stunner, drinks a few broken skull IPAs in the ring, does a little swimming, gets out. Everyone's happy. I'm all in on that. Like, absolutely. And he's done that before, right? He's Mm -hmm. come back. He's hit people with stunners. He's, you know, had the beer bath, the whole nine yards. I'm all for that. And in Mm -hmm. Texas in front of, you know, what could be 80,000 people, that's going to be a huge moment and a really feel-good moment for, you know, we it's been tough with uh, with live wrestling. It's been taken away from us for so long. So these big feel good moments are are great. I just don't want them in a match. Yeah, I think I think it's something to be said. With you know, he's spoken so many times before about how, as much as yes, his final match wasn't really his choice. Like he was still happy enough with it. He wasn't in a great place mentally at the time. And he'll tell you that now, obviously looking back, but like, is it worth it? 19 years later, you look at some guys, like you talk to Mick Foley and you hear him talk about his, you know, how he had that great swan song with edge. Mm -hmm. And he was like, he said before, if I could go back, that match would be, if not his last match, one of his, his last big match. And then, you know, he had, his stint in TNA, which he's pretty much said like that, that was all he hates that that's part of his legacy, um, yeah. which is like, that sucks to hear. And it's like, Hey, 10 years from now, if Stone Cold actually gets in the ring and has a match, regardless of how he does, like he can't take a bump. <laughs> so it's going to be three minutes of him beating up Kevin Owens, which, Hey, that's cool. But did we have to call it a match? Do we have to make it an official thing like you know what? i don't know i maybe, maybe he can take a bump like it's been 19 years right sure, and when he retired yeah. he was really beat up and banged up and we didn't think guys like um you know edge or any of the other right, like Bryan is another yeah great example of that where we just didn't think these guys were ever going to be able to come back he might be able to come in and take bumps and you know let's say that he has an actual match with kevin owens how do you complete the career of stone cold steve austin at the same level as the match with mm-hmm. the rock at WrestleMania yeah. 19. Like there, I mean, is it Roman Reigns? Maybe. Is it, you know, is it Brock Lesnar? Maybe to me, that match with the rock was, it was just a, a, you know, both guys were in top form. It was an amazing crowd. And he was, he was at the top of his game when he left, like not many guys get to do that. And, and, you know, have the legacy that he has, I, I just really, you know, I, I, I hope that discretion is the better part of valor here mm-hmm. and that, you know, whatever it is, I'm sure it's going to be fun because it's Stone Cold Steve Austin and it's, you know, it's a beer bash and a, you know, a kick ass, whatever. I just don't want to match though. Yeah. And I mean, he, you know, I mean that promo he cut, yeah, it was a recorded video promo, whatever, but like he's, he's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like he's never going to not, be Stone Cold Steve Austin. You saw that in that video. Mm-hmm. And I mean, 
I'm excited to see what he does. I'm, I'm kind of skeptical. I know that our, our dear friend, Sam Hudson kind of said the, the same thing where he was like, hmm, like our wrestling group chat. He was like, I don't know, like uh, <laughs> big shout out to Sam, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I know you, I've heard you mention before you're a stone cold fan. So I wanted to, uh, to get your take on it. Um, but it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens at WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, for sure, definitely. Like, I mean, I'm happy that Stone Cold's going to be there, and, and it is what it is. And if if it is a match, then I guess it is. But like, I'm just happy that Stone Cold is back and involved, and it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. And looks great too. I mean, he was not never bad. not in shape. Like, he's always looked I think, great. <laughs> yeah, I think he might even look better now than he did that. Yeah, you look at some guys like that's been happening a lot lately. There's some of these these guys from that era that just like aside from the Rock, of course, seen, because he you know. I've seen Ric Flair. I saw a picture yeah. of Ric Flair and he's got giant fucking guns. Yeah. <laughs> like, Who's he? Giant. What's he trying to pull? <laughs> Dying in a hospital bed two years ago, and now he looks better than ever. Like, yeah, like what the hell? You want to think I got run more run in me? Like, get out of here! Like, <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. I would not. It wouldn't even surprise me if something pops up, Ric Flair and AEW like retirement match or something. It wouldn't even shock me. Like, yeah, and, and like I could use Ric Flair as the example, right? Like Ric Flair had the the absolute yes. most perfect retirement match of all time ever. Can't be touched. And then he went to TNA. Yeah, and again, and like I mean, he had fun. He did fun stuff. He did fun stuff with Sting. He did fun stuff with Hogan. He did fun stuff with Mick Foley. But it wasn't fucking Shawn michaels at wrestlemania mm-hmm. like i'm sorry i love you come on that not a dry eye in the house yeah. immediately hugs him afterwards like come on that's and that's what you know wrestling should be it's 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 a it's a story it's emotion that's why we as wrestling fans love wrestling it's things like that it's a it's a feeling and to not have that I don't know. I, I do definitely agree. And you look at what some of those guys have, have went on to do after their retirement matches. I mean, you look at retirement matches, like at the same time, not everyone wants to go out like Kurt Angle. So I don't know. It's yeah, I get that. If you're, if, if he's really like, I want that last one. I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. It's hard to say, but uh, I hope, <laughs> and I agree with you that, Discretion is kind of the better part of Valor on that one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, speaking of Stone Cold and things of that nature, I want to get your take on that. But uh, going back, you mentioned obviously being a big Stone Cold Steve Austin fan. So let's go go back. Where okay. did it all start for you with wrestling? What was the, when was the first time you really experienced wrestling? So wrestling was something that my dad and I bonded over um, when I was young. Wrestling and baseball. My dad was a, you know, a a classic rock loving guy that that I didn't connect with until later on in life. So wrestling and and baseball were where we connected. And I can remember being like, I can remember watching WrestleMania three. And he said, you know, even before that, when I was two and three years old, we were sitting down watching wrestling together. And it was just something that I always kind of. I, it was something that I never really thought I would ever do. You always have that dream when you're a kid, like, well, wouldn't it be cool if, if uh, you know, I got to step into a ring and, and be a wrestler, but I, I never really thought I was going to pursue it. It wasn't until I was in my teenage years where I was like, I think I might actually want to try this. Like I might want to give it a go. Um, but that, that's where it all started. Just me and my dad sitting in the basement, smoky basement, you know, 
watch and wrestle. Nice. That's, that's fantastic. It's funny. I have a somewhat similar story with, you know, me and my old man, not really having a lot in common and then me getting into wrestling. So it's, it's, it's funny to hear that. So in that time frame, who were some of your favorites that you were watching at that time? So, uh, I mean, I was a big Hulkamaniac, big, 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 still am like, I still love Hulk Hogan to this day, despite, you know, all the, the things that have come up and some of the, you know, the, the really terrible <laughs> elements uh, of Hulk Hogan. Sure. I can still look back at his career and appreciate it. Uh, I was a big ultimate warrior guy. Loved Jake, the snake Roberts, loved Rick rude. Um, you, you know, all, you know, all the classics, you, um, in when I got a little bit older, I really began to appreciate Mr. Perfect. You know, those guys, those were, those were my guys. Sure. So it's almost like, and I think a lot of wrestling fans of this way, when you're younger and you don't really understand what's going on, you're more drawn to the entertainment side of it with uh, people like a Jake, the snake who, I mean, he was a fantastic technician, but like, is he a Mr. Perfect? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, he'd tell you that too, I'm sure. But yeah, he sure. had, the character he had the way that he would speak i mean like, i'm a big jake roberts fan too and like that's more what you're drawn to when you're a kid and then once you kind of start to understand like what's going on like okay i get it and you're drawn because i was the same like i would see guys like not so much in my air with mr perfect but like guys like him where it's like wow what he's doing is super impressive yeah for sure like uh you know once i got into my early teens the the Shawn Michaels, the Mr. Perfects, uh, you know, the Breath of Hitman Hearts, they were kind of who I was more drawn to. But when I was a kid, it was definitely like all about the big characters, all about the colors, like tassels and giant superhuman looking, you know, characters. That, that's what I was into. Definitely. I mean, you, you look at the ultimate warrior. I mean, it, it, that's a character that was character who was just made for kids, really. Yeah. Like, it, you know. Yeah. And he can't wrestle his way out of a wet paper bag. Like looking at it objectively now, would, would yeah. I pick a Mr. Perfect or a Breath the Hitman Heart over an Ultimate Warrior for sure? <laughs> but yes, but it's you know when you're it was like I I think I remember bringing up Mick Foley again for the like third time on this podcast. But <laughs> I remember he had this really nice message after Ultimate Warrior had passed away, and it was he he kind of admitted how like he was like I never understood Warrior like but he's mentioning how like his daughter was in the audience, that last promo he did. Yep. And he was saying how, like, I never understood ultimate warrior until that night. Cause he was just like, Oh, this isn't for me. This yeah. isn't for older wrestling fans. His promos and stuff. These are for kids. And yep. he knows that these rambling promos that don't really make any sense to us. But you look at the kids in the audience and they're like, Oh my goodness, like, yeah, the Warriors and blah, 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 and the Cosmic, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I think the biggest knock on Ultimate Warrior is that he can't wrestle, yeah. right? Like, people are like, ah, oh, he's, he's a shitty wrestler. I don't think Ultimate Warrior ever came out and he's like, hey, guys, I'm the best wrestler in the world. No. Like, never. <laughs> he knows who he is, and he knows the presentation that he was trying to put together. And, he, I mean, we're still talking about Ultimate Warrior to this day, so that means he must have been pretty damn good at what he was doing. Exactly. And I mean, you look at a lot of, of guys from that era, you know, and I mean, like I'm someone who I've always appreciated the art form and the athleticism behind professional wrestling more so than anything. Obviously, I love a good promo as much as the next guy, but I have such a profound respect for even the little things, 
you know? So when I see people who are just fantastic technicians, it's like, that almost impresses me more than anything. So I, I kind of like, agree with what you're saying. It's like with someone like warrior, it's like, I'd watch him do stuff and I'm like, Oh geez, that one, like that, <laughs> that hurt. Like, damn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you can never look at an ultimate warrior match and say, Nope, that's not ultimate warrior. Like he was ultimate warrior 150% of the time. Like anytime you saw ultimate warrior, he was ultimate warrior. Mm-hmm. For sure. So when you started getting a little older, like you mentioned early teenage years, that was kind of the, I guess, the new generation era of, uh, of, right. of WWF with your Shawn Michaels and uh, yep. Yep. your Razors, your one, two, three kids. Yep. Was there a match of that era that like, so you mentioned in that time frame, you kind of were like starting to be like, this is kind of cool. Like, wouldn't it be fun to do this? Was there any matches that stick out that was like you watch and you were like, okay, I want to do that. I think I probably wore the tape out on WrestleMania 12, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart Iron Man match. Like I watched that match front to back, forward, backwards, slow-mo, fast-mo, you know, I pick it apart, watch 10 minutes. Like I watched that match so many friggin' times. And I just remember thinking like, that this is just so cool that they're able to take these people on this like emotional journey for an hour. Mm. I'd never seen to that point an hour long match the only other iron man match i can remember seeing before that was um a ricky the dragon steamboat and stunning steve austin 30 minute iron man match yes so to go for a whole hour and i mean i was i was i say i'm the biggest steve austin fan i'm also probably the biggest Shawn michaels fan um that that goes through like the heart foundation era when it was dx and, and heart foundation i was the biggest Shawn Michaels fan and even though he was stuffing the Canadian flag up his nose I was like yeah this is you didn't care you just like yeah this guy's the best I'm, I'm all in like <laughs> I, I just thought it was awesome yeah well and that's what's so cool about that era like you look at like you'd mentioned um Ricky the Dragon Seaboat and Sonny Steve Austin like that was actually when I was a little older and started going back like I started really appreciating the Iron Man matches, but that Iron Man match you mentioned, like you look at the, just the precision yeah. at the, at the ending of that match to the second, yep. it's like, if you remotely understand wrestling and you view that and don't think that is just one of the most impressive things ever, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Cause yeah, it's yeah. amazing. You just can't be impressed. <laughs> that, yeah. That yeah. It, you can't be impressed. <laughs> if you're just like, Hmm, it's like, come on, man. That's, that's poetry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. So as time went on in that era, like as we started moving towards, you know, like the D generation X's and kind of that early attitude era, were you still as much of a fan or did you kind of, and I was more of a fan. Okay. And my my love for wrestling grew year over year exponentially. When we got to the like peak of the Attitude Era, we're, we're talking like 98, 99, 2000, 2001. There, I was consuming more wrestling than any human on this earth besides Vince McMahon. Like I, w- I was so thirsty for wrestling. I would find it anywhere. I was trading tapes japanese tapes mexican tapes i was you know every raw every smackdown every nitro ecw on tnn anything i could consume my entire life all of my free time was consumed by wrestling and the first wrestler that made me believe that i could do it was mick foley nice 
because that's someone who I was about to ask you out of all those promotions of someone who was in all of them, did you have a favorite? And it's, it's, it's cool to hear Mick Foley. Cause that's, he was someone I think for a lot of people were like, well, if that guy can do it, I can do it. Absolutely. And his story was kind of parallel to mine. I was starting to participate in, I mean, people call it backyard wrestling, but for us, it was like basement floor wrestling. We would sure. drag mattresses down to the basement and then of like, course. you know, we had characters created. It was my friend, uh, Rob Photo and I, who wrestled at the student showcase, the first student showcase. That's for awesome. Silver Fox. The so Silver Fox, was, bro. Yeah, it was cool for me to have that match with him because we start, I met him when I was 12 years old and we, we created the um, Extreme Wrestling Federation, EWF. And we probably had 30 characters created <clears throat> and we would build cards and then each of us would, some of us, like sometimes I would be one character and then the next time we go through a card, he would play that character. We would like feed off of each other and try to make it better and push it forward. And we did that for years. We did that until I was probably 18 or 19. So really just obsessed. <laughs> like if there's a word beyond obsessed, <laughs> that's what I was. Addicted, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Some people have drugs. I had wrestling. <laughs> That's fantastic, though. Um, and looking at all of the all of the the wrestling that was in that era, we'll just call it like the Attitude Era, like that late nineties, two thousands kind of era of wrestling. Did were you more of a WWF guy than a, a yeah. WCW guy, or you you Absolutely. just kind of consumed everything you were saying? I consumed everything. Like, I mean, I was a big ECW fan. Sure. Um, I, but like, if we're talking Monday night wars, which side was I on? I was on WWF 100% of the way. Like, did I love the NWO? Sure. sure. But yeah. I wasn't going to tell anybody that like I was a <laughs> WWF guy. <laughs> That's right. Did you have any exclusive WCW and ECW guys that you were a big fan of that influenced you at all or? Definitely. Like I was a huge Chris Canyon fan. Huge nice. Chris Canyon fan. I loved Crowbar, um, towards the later years of WCW. Uh, of course, I'm a huge Scott Hall fan. So both as Razor Ramon and Scott Hall in the NWO. So those were kind of like the, the, the bigger influences. Um, what I loved about Canyon was his ability to create. Again, like I'm always drawn yeah. to that super creativity. Um, so watching him perform was just like every single match he had was great. Possibly one of the most just, I wouldn't even say un underrated because people within the sport know and love him and his work so much. But I think from a fan's perspective, like not a lot of people really appreciated what he was and how much he created, even just yeah. moves. Like he was yep. so just and how, how many guys time. he influenced too, right? Yes. Like there, there are just so many people who say Chris Canyon was one of my biggest influences and watching the dark side of the ring episode on Chris Canyon, you kind of get a window into the reasons why he, um, yeah. you know, wasn't reliably pushed all the time, but as a talent, man, that guy was good. He was just so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, f absolutely. Fantastic. And it was something I didn't really appreciate until I was a little older. Like, wow, like this guy really, you hear his influence and you see it as you're watching even like later years, like you still see yep. his influence a little bit these days, even. Yep. Sure do. Mm -hmm. So as far as ECW, like you mentioned, obviously I'm not shocked that CJ felony is, was an ECW fan and all that doesn't surprise me, but did you have any wrestlers in particular that were kind of ECW exclusive that you were a big fan of? 
don't tell Dreamer I was a big Tommy Dreamer fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send him this clip. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Uh, so Dreamer, for sure. Like, I mean, I mean yeah, come Dream, on. Dreamer was the everyman, right? Like he came in and he was it was easy to, to get behind him and, and to like all of his storylines were so good. The storyline with Raven was just so fucking yeah. good. Sandman was another big one for me. Like I, I, I love the beer drinking, the cigarette smoking, the cane swinging, like all that stuff. I really liked Taz. Um, Hell yeah. Tag team wise, like when I when I got introduced to ECW, would have been in the kind of the mid nineties. Uh, Public Enemy, I thought was great. Um, <clears throat> in the later years, I really got into the Impact players. I thought um, Just Incredible was one of those guys that doesn't get enough credit for for what he was doing yes, too. And agreed. of course, Lance Storm is amazing. So Lance yeah. T Storm, come on, the T stands for Thunder. <laughs> Let's go! Like Let's go! Possibly one of them, another guy who just like. <laughs> I mean, come on, like, you know, yeah. one, of, one of the best minds of professional wrestling. I think a lot of people would agree That's with that. Solid. Yep. Just so damn good. Like, so he's forgotten more about wrestling than we'll ever know. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people will, when you have guys like a Chris Jericho, or I've even heard Dean Malenko say something of that nature where it's like, that man knows more than all of us combined and <laughs> will always know more. Yep. <laughs> as much as he might get made fun of for you know being the way he is especially by asian christian but you know that's a <laughs> yeah well it comes with the territory I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic well so you're addicted to wrestling let's say you're you're having these basement matches and these epic cards with your buddy when did the transition happen where you were like okay let's actually start training let's start looking into really really doing this that actually didn't happen it, it was oh. it was decision made for me um so what happened was um independent wrestling I, I actually didn't really know that independent wrestling existed up to the point when independent wrestling started coming to the kingston area and there was a a uh guy who lives in Napanee, his name is Darren Hewitt, who I'm still very close friends uh, with to this day, who was a local promoter. We had a bar in Kingston called the Iron Horse Saloon. So they were bringing a company from London, London, Ontario, called, uh, I think it was called Hardcore Wrestling Federation, something like that. Uh, so Darren was the local promoter. He was kind of the, the footman because London's quite a ways away from Kingston, um, selling tickets, putting up posters, that kind of stuff. Uh, so Darren, knowing that I was a big wrestling fan, wanted to know if I wanted to get involved, like just on the ground level, Hey, you can come in and set up the ring and, you know, kind of see how the, the production gets put together. And I was like, hell yeah. What time does the ring get there? Three o'clock. I'll be there at noon. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> right. Be, and I was like, they, they said the ring was going to be there at three o'clock. And I was there at like 1030 standing outside the door dancing. Like I just couldn't friggin' wait to see how a ring got put together or like, you know, get to touch the ropes or whatever. I didn't really care. So when, once we got inside, we're, you know, we're dragging all the ring parts in and I'm just like, you know, a kid in a candy store. I can see that there's something going on where something's not right. You know, Darren's a little bit worried about something. So eventually like when, when he can finally get my attention away from the fact that I'm calling in ring parts, you're looking at a ring. Yeah. Time of my life. 
he says that uh, the referee for the show isn't going to be able to make it or he's going to be late. He's having car trouble. And he said, I like, I don't know anybody else who knows anything more about wrestling than you. Do you think that you could referee? And I was like, not a, not a chance. No, I can't do that. Like, there's just no way because in my mind, I'm thinking, first of all, I'm going to screw up. Like I'm going to be too flipped out about the fact that I'm standing in a wrestling ring that I'm going to screw it up. And I'm like, the show is going to be awful because of it. But then second to that, I was like, I like, I don't even know what to do. And he, he just kept saying like, there's nobody who knows this more than you. Like, I know you can do it. Just, just say yes. And I, like I stewed on it felt like forever. Like the rest of the afternoon, it was probably 10 minutes where I was just like mulling this life decision over in my head. So I, I was like, all right, I'll do it. So I wasn't allowed in the locker room. I had no idea what, what matches I'd be refereeing or who the wrestlers were. I still wasn't even totally convinced that it was fake. <laughs> like right. I was, so, oh, I was like, about to ask you that. Okay. Like I was so naive to the whole, like I, I knew it was fake, but you knew, you knew it was, there was something going on behind the curtain, so to speak, but you were like, kind of like, back this? There, though. like right. I wasn't allowed to see the wizard of Oz. I was okay. well, well in front of the curtain. And how, how old were you at this time? If you don't mind me asking. I was 18. Okay. I figured about that. Okay. So yeah, you, they're like, the rest are probably just like, who's this kid? Like we don't, I, I, I get it, especially in that era for sure. I don't even know that they, they knew who I was. So like I was wearing a pair of blue jeans and they gave me a hardcore wrestling federation t-shirt to put on. And I like, you know, the start, the, the show gets started and I, I come out to the ring and I slide underneath and they're like, this first contest is scheduled for one fall and it's a false count anywhere match. And I'm like, Holy shit. Like, I had no idea like what I was doing where, and all I could think was just don't screw up. Like whatever you do, don't screw up. Stay out of the way. <laughs> just, like I didn't even know what stay out of the way meant. I like, wh what the hell do you do? So, um, you know, the, the guys come out, they start having their match and they're brawling on the outside. And I'm just like trying to do what I see on TV, hoping that I'm not screwing everything up. There, the uh, finish of the match was a big elbow drop from the top rope through a table on the outside. And in like, my guts are just going crazy because this is the coolest thing in the whole world. I count three, the crowd goes crazy. And I'm like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Like, this is it. This is it for me. So then I go to the back. And when I went to the back, the referee had arrived, whatever the car troubles or whatever okay. it was, he was there. And he's like, do you want to do another match? And I was like, fuck do i <laughs> like this is i'm on the biggest high of all time like this is the greatest thing ever so i went out and did another match um and i mean afterwards they were like oh you did great if you ever want to pursue this you know we, you know we do these spot shows all over ontario if you drive to the shows and help us set up the ring we'll help you learn how the business works so that's what I started doing. Like any weekend that I could, I would drive. It didn't matter where, where the hell the show was. If I could borrow my mom's car or thumb it or whatever, just get there. Sometimes I would get to spend, you know, two or three hours before a show and learn. Other times I would drive for, you know, four or five hours and I wouldn't get any time. But it was just, I, I was involved. That's all I wanted. Being there and seeing it and kind of, even just from afar watching things. 
It's like, yeah. okay, you kind of, maybe you see someone putting a match together or something and it's like, okay, like, was there much of that going on? Were they kind of, so when you say they were kind of showing you things, were they like teaching you just kind of the ins and outs? Were they having you like teaching you bumping at all? Or was it all just kind of like psychology? I, I, like what were they? No psychology, none, okay. zero. It was all, I mean, there were, there were, they were looking for a reliable referee. So I was sure. learning how to, you know, accentuate the things that were happening in the ring. But just like you said, like be seen when you need to be seen, but don't be seen Stay out of the way. Otherwise. Yeah. Like, you know, um, I did learn how to bump. I did learn how to, um, you know, start doing some of the basics, tying up, um, you, you know, j- just the, the really, really basics that you learn as you go. Um, f- but for me, it was actually just like you said, it was watching the others as they're putting their matches together and, and just, just like the conversations that they were having and, and how things start to flow. I had no idea how to put a match together. Well, some would argue I still don't, but I was, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so if you ask Sam Hudson, no. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> oh goodness, that was great. <laughs> oh man. Okay. But, well, well, that's what's so so cool though. Like, like I I picture like my first experience really seeing behind the curtain, quote unquote was for me actually at a chinlock wrestling show that was being a, a lifelong wrestling fan having such a love and respect for I, I always i always say like the art form of professional wrestling and what yep. i mean by that is like the you know putting a match together the the where to play certain moves and it's like a chess game you know things like that so to be there see the ring being put up you know seeing guys kind of going over matches, like seeing people I know and am buddies with working out a move or whatever. It's like, this is like the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. So to then hear that you kind of took that a step further, like that's awesome. And there's, there's a lot to be said for, for a great referee because a great referee, like it's, it's kind of funny because it's like a great referee. You don't know they're there until they need to be. Yeah, and sure. that's like I have such respect for for referees as well. Like shouts to uh, shouts to Brian, who is a fantastic that's referee, my referee. favorite referee. Um, he's he's great because you know he almost it's almost like you forget he's in there. And yeah. the Next thing you know, he's in someone's face because they're doing something. It's like where did he even come from? Like it's it's crazy. And when I transitioned from being a referee to being a wrestler, I had a really hard time. Um, getting promoters to accept me as a wrestler. And at the time I was insulted by that because I thought, well, they must think that I'm not a good enough wrestler. But what they were trying to say was you're a really good referee. You know, you've got a talent here that, that we want to continue to utilize and, you know, embrace. And like, we understand that you want to be a wrestler and and maybe you're okay, but you're just really good at what you're already Mm -hmm. doing. And I I didn't understand that at the time I do now. um, And I wish I had a better appreciation for it then. You know, that's probably one of the things that I look back on with a little bit of regret because I didn't appreciate what they were trying to say to me. Um, But, you know, I'm CJ felony now, so fuck it. (laughs) 
Exactly. You you are the reigning and defending. You how long have you been undefeated for now, by the way? Oh god. Two years and a couple months or whatever, something like that. Can I say it's still weird for me to talk about wins because my win-loss record is like 95% losses. <laughs> the minor details. I mean from from for the year of 2021, CJ Felony is undefeated. Is that correct? That is correct. There you go. Reigning and defending heavyweight champion for Chinlock Wrestling here, folks. So that's what matters. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm going to bring you on the road. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, like, like that's, that's how I see things anyway. I don't know, you know, but uh, I, I think it's, it's important to point out these kind of details while having a discussion like this. <laughs> listen, the last time I saw you wrestle in a title match, you got the victory. So, I mean, it, you know. it was by disqualification, but I mean, you know, that, listen, did you win the match? I won the match. So there you go. And that, I ran that Madison rain right out of town. Hell yeah. What's she, what's she doing now? Yeah. She actually just, uh, had a yeah, she's thing. not. Yeah. <laughs> No, shout out to Madison. She, she's she's fantastic. Oh my god, she's just she's so amazing. She's she's like one of my my most favorite people on earth. She's just such a genuinely nice person. Mm-hmm. She oh yeah, she was she was awesome. And I mean, on on top of all that, like she's also really good at what she does. So it's oh. like it's cool when you meet someone. It's like you're cool, but also you're really good at what you do. Like it's. <laughs> she said to me, she's like, "What do you want to do?" in our match what do you want to do and i was like uh (laughs) yeah you're the pro yeah you're (laughs) the you're what do you actually let what do you not want to (laughs) do you tell me what you don't want to do we won't do any of it and then you tell me what you do want to do and we'll do all of that (laughs) like yeah why in the hell am i going to tell you what to do you're the you're the she's like no no this is like this is your promotion it's your show i want to make sure that that you you know, you, you get over and you get something from this. And I was like, uh, we were like, we're on different pages here. You're like, I, w- I want you to kill me dead in the middle of the ring and pin me. Like, but yeah, it, she's just so cool. Yeah. Well, and that's, I guess that's just the professionalism, you know, coming out in her, but then also you where you're like, no, like you're, you're the star. No. I want to make you look good too. Right. That's. I'll tell you another story. She, we weren't originally scheduled to wrestle each other. It was originally supposed to be her and beautiful Bia, but right. she contacted us um, about, it was probably a week before the show with an injury. Um, so she, she, you know, ex- extremely apologetic, whatever I can do to, to, you know, help or, or find somebody else to do the work. And I was like, it's okay. You know, especially because at this point we were, it was starting to get closer to COVID and we were starting to become a little bit more aware of, you know, shit comes up for human beings. And sometimes you, you know, it's just got to be what it is. So mm-hmm. I contacted Madison and I told her what the situation was. And I was like, listen, th- these are kind of the options that we have. One, we can cancel the booking and we'll bring you back another time because I, like, I'm just not going to be able to find another qualified female wrestler in that for time you. frame. Yeah. In, in, you know, five or seven days, yeah. whatever. <laughs> or as, as kind of the top heel and chin lock, you and I can have a match, um, you know, for the championship, put the belt on you, 
and you'll you'll kind of like you'll be the new face of the company because we always want to bring her back. She's so easy and so great to work with. So she messaged back and said, you know, I'm not really into the whole idea of intergender matches, but whatever other girl you find for me, no problem. Like, I don't care if she's brand new, fresh off the street, we'll have a, a fun match. And I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Like, it's cool that she wants to, you know, help somebody learn and, and kind of lead them along. Then about an hour later, she messaged back and she's like, you know what? I thought about it. I trust you. I've never had an intergender match before, but really? let's do it. Okay. And I was like, holy shit, that's cool. Like, that's super cool. So I picked her up at the airport, whatever it was, four or five days later. And I was like, you're sure you want to do this? Like, you can still cancel. And she's like, no, I trust you. Like, I really think, because we had had a couple of conversations over the two or so years that she was working with Chinlock, and her philosophies on wrestling are very similar. Just, <laughs> I like my wrestling really, really good and fake. Like, and unless there's a spot that's in, intended to be like a, like a trash can, you know, sure. when you whack somebody with a trash can, you better be coming at me fucking 700 miles an hour or I'm going to pick it up and give it to you. Yeah, you're going to. Yeah, you're going to just no bang. <laughs> but, but when we talk about like the art form of professional wrestling, the whole idea here is that we're supposed to be able to get up the next day, provide for our families, go to our real jobs, like all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we had had those conversations before and I think that probably helped build that trust that I, that I didn't realize I was building at the time. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm her only ever intergender match. Ever. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool to be able to, uh, I'll hang my hat really on that. Like that's that. my rock and stone cold WrestleMania 19. That's it. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Good night. If you wait, just try the wheel. Like, you know, it's, uh, that's that's fantastic i didn't know that i wouldn't have known that that was her i just assumed at some point she had probably because like, that so that's, yeah that's one thing with chin lock that i thought was really cool so one of the i mean there are a couple of things that i've, I've really wanted to try to accomplish with chin lock wrestling i have a young daughter mm-hmm. and i like making her feel like she can do anything in the world is the most important thing to me so i want her to see like, I, I don't think there should be gender lines necessarily. It should be talent. You know, people who aren't talented enough to be in those positions or who haven't worked to earn those positions maybe shouldn't have them. But a gender shouldn't, that shouldn't be a dividing line. Mm-hmm. So, like, having Jesse Mack as our first champion, like, that's empowering. That That's a great, my daughter still, she was, um, she would have been four years old when that match happened. She still says, daddy fell asleep in the ring. So Jesse kicked me out and then uh, Steamboat hit me with the chop and daddy slept in the ring afterwards. Like that, that for her was a life-changing moment. Right. You can't, you can't touch those. Like, so that that's one of the major, major things. The other thing that I really wanted to do was do something where <clears throat> I could help with kids who were, in some way disadvantaged, whether they, you know, they came from a bad home, maybe they're addicted to drugs or alcohol or, or whatever, to be able to make a difference in their life. Uh, so that's why we do so much work with Youth Diversion. Right. Um, they're, they're such an amazing charity partner to work with. But, you know, having a parent pull you aside and say, that Chinlock event, you know, my, my child's gone through 
these, you know, terrible, awful things, but being able to volunteer at the event or even just being able to, to come to the event, that's extremely powerful. Like it, it, it changed their life. So th- those are some of the major things that I want to do, continue to do. Well, that's it. And I mean, just because we're talking about it, let's, let's get into it. Like, obviously I do want to go back in, in a bit to talk about uh, your career a little more, but like, we're talking about it right now with Chinlock Wrestling. You know, there's so many wonderful things that you guys have done. Like you mentioned already, you know, working with um, uh, Youth Version there. Um, yeah. And right now, we're getting ready to hype up. Yeah. On June 4th at 7 p.m., folks. <laughs> Sorry? Reigning and defending. Listen, <laughs> the reigning and defending undefeated in the year of 2021 chinlock heavyweight champion of the world cj felony will be there will be capacity i'm sure yes (laughs) chinlock wrestling's comeback man like we this is going to be a big deal um like we've talked about covid took a lot of things away and we were really excited last summer when it looked like things were going to open up and because we were so excited, we kind of almost prematurely said, Hey, now that restrictions are starting to lift, like we're looking at an event, but almost as soon as we said that it was clear that it, it, we weren't going to be able to do it on the scale that we wanted to be able to do it. We probably could have had a smaller event. We looked at doing a, an event um, at the Geno's Amherstu, um in their parking lot, like an outdoor where mm-hmm. people can be socially distanced. There was enough room, but we just, it just didn't feel like the right time. So now, I mean, we've just gone through probably, you know, the worst wave of COVID since the first wave um, with the Omicron variant. And, and again, just how much it took away from us, but we're, we're starting to come around the corner and there's a lot of really, you know, there's a lot of really fun events that are coming up and Chinlock is, is going to be one of them. The Westbrook soccer dome where we're hosting the event, it's a beautiful facility and it's really going to change our game because it's so big. Yes. We've limited tickets to 300 with the thought that if the worst case scenario happens and we have to start looking at restrictions again in June, 300 is the, the minimum that we can put in that building and still safely social distance. But, if we if we come to June and things are looking as good as they are right now, we can stuff three thousand people in that building. Right. So this is looking. This could potentially be the biggest event that we've ever run. And Bigger it's than Samakbox. Yeah. Which was yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Which it's it's funny because for me, Chinlock Five was actually my first Chinlock event, and. Oh, you came in at a good time. Yeah, seeing the <laughs> scale, and that's what that's what Jay had said as well. Because I mean, you know, like our our dear friend Jason Reese, Jay Bridges Larch, what's up? I'm wearing the shirt. Um, he, like, I mean, he had been trying to get me. Like, you got to come. Like, you're you're yeah. gonna love it. Like, I and I, it's just, I, I always kept missing it. And when I showed up at Chinlock Five and witnessed it, I'm like, oh my, like this is crazy. So to hear that it could potentially even ha- it has the potential. Obviously you guys are going to be very cautious. Like you guys are very much of that mindset, but it's like, 
this could be safety is, is the number one priority. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second priority is I want everybody to come and have a little bit of fun. Let's yeah. get out there and be loud and have fun and kind of forget about all of life's worries, everything that's happened over the course of the past two years. All of your favorite Chinlock Wrestling superstars and Danny franchise will be there. And I will be there yelling at people to buy a Danny franchise t-shirt. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I just think about it. Yeah. Please don't. Don't like light your money on fire. Don't do it. that. <laughs> when I think about where Chinlock started uh, to where it got to, you know, that this is we're we're coming back. And whether it's 300 or 3000, I don't really care because we're, we've got our feet firmly planted on the ground and we're we're like it's going to be big. That's fantastic. I'm I'm so excited for it. I've already booked the day. I'm like, I'm going. I don't care if I have to hitchhike. I'm going to be there and I'll be there yelling very loudly and booing you as you walk to the ring. Hey, that's, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> but that's, that's awesome. And I mean, obviously, as things get a little closer, guys, I will keep you all updated. Obviously, we don't want to, you know, give away too much right now, but tickets well, on maybe sale. Maybe I'll drop why don't I drop exclusives? Oh, okay. Okay. So what's one of the things that makes um, a Chinlock wrestling event, a Chinlock wrestling event? I mean, I'm going to say the legends for one. Legends are definitely one. The other, one of the things that I love the most about our Chinlock events is the Chinlock rumble. Yes. Okay. So we're going to bring back the Chinlock rumble. That's an exclusive here. That's okay. the very first time human ears besides Jan Murphy has heard that. Okay. You heard it here first, that, folks. The winner of that championship rumble will become the number one contender to my Chinlock Heavyweight Championship. Whoa. Okay. Chinlock Rumble at comeback June 4th. And whoever wins that is the number one contender for the reigning and defending Undefeated in 2021, Chinlock Heavyweight Champion, CJ Felony. That's that's awesome. That's fantastic. I don't mean to point it out, but I was also undefeated in 2020. Correct. Yes. Excuse me. 2020 and 2021, two years of an undefeated streak. I mean, I'm I'm untouchable. Yeah. Like, who's Goldberg? What is is this Goldberg nonsense? No, no, no. no, no. Never heard of her. Who? Who? (laughs) Who? Yeah, no, that's so that, that's I mean, fantastic. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. Like I'm super pumped for that because like whoever wins, it's gonna be easy pickings for me. So sweet. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, come on. Like, like let let's say whoever it is, I don't care. They're not gonna be able to defeat the undefeated for two years. CJ Felony, come on. Nope, can't do it. But that's where Madison Rain came from. She made her debut at Chinlock Four in the Chinlock Rumble. Uh, became number one contender. She she got beat by uh, beautiful Bia, and then later when she we, we granted her an opportunity to to you know be in my ring, then I beat her. Yeah, look what happened. I beat her. Look. Yeah. What does the record book say? CJ felony one, Madison Rain zero. Big ol' zero. Come on, that's it. That's the takeaway. Please, please don't show her that clip. <laughs> <laughs> It's a work, folks. Um, <laughs> but no, in all in all seriousness, though, like that's I'm excited because I loved the Chinlock Rumble, and I mean, 
I, I can already, I'm already fantasy uh, uh, booking in my head who I want to see involved with it and who I want to see yeah. win. But you know, we're going to talk about that right now. But that's uh, that's fantastic. I appreciate the exclusive. That's uh, that's awesome. I yeah, cannot man. wait for this event. Chinlockwrestling.com uh, is the site. Folks, get on there, buy a ticket right now because they're gonna sell out. I'm just calling like it right that. now. Like we're, we're, I told you, we're limited to a hundred. We're about uh, a third of the way sold so far, um, which is a huge pre-sale. Like that, that's um, far exceeded my expectations because I thought people would be a little bit more cautious. You know, we're we're just starting to uh, to get open and get out and doing things. But as soon as those tickets went on sale, man, it blew up. So I'm excited. That's awesome. It's gonna it's gonna be great. Come and see. The reigning, the defending, undefeated for two years, <laughs> Chinlock heavyweight champion of the world, TJ Felony. Come on. It's worth the price of admission right there. You never know when he's going to show up. True. That's it, man. Well, I'm excited for that. Guys, I'll be sure to uh, keep everybody posted on, on more information about that as we get a little closer, as we still are uh, a, a couple of months out, but uh, I'm... I'm absolutely hyped for that. But to go back a little bit here, we were sure. we were kind of before we went on this this awesome tangent. We were talking about kind of your early career, and you had just kind of started talking about the the transition from being a referee and actually getting in the ring as a competitor. What was your first match like? Like at that point, had you kind of had some some a little bit of training, or what did that look like? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I would call it formal training in any way. Just happy to be able to pick the brains of any wrestler who is willing to put up with, you know, my me marking out like crazy. Um, and I had a, a you know a couple of, I, I you know I go in and do a job for somebody or you know somebody wouldn't show up and I put a hood on and, and just do something quick. Um, for me, like my career really didn't start to take root until two thousand and three. Um, that's when I was given the name CJ felony, which when it was given to me, I hated, I absolutely hated. Uh, and it's, it's slowly eventually grew on me and now I embrace it. But, um, <clears throat> that like in 2003, that's when I would, I would call my like first actual matches, like ones that, that mattered. Um, and I was terrified. Like, again, all, all those doubts that, that creep in your head, like, can I do this? Should I be doing this? Do they think that I can do this? All those right. things that like, you know, you get in your head um, that, that still sometimes creep in. Like sometimes I wonder like, do they, do they actually believe what I'm doing? Because I'm having the time of my life. Like this is the greatest, greatest thing in the whole world, but like, are they buying it? I don't know. Maybe I think they are. I hope they are. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially in those, like looking at those early days, was there, anyone in particular that you work with that really like you really enjoyed picking their brain. They had a lot of really helpful information. Was there anyone that kind of stands out in those early days? Uh, I, I would probably say I, I got the most valuable um, advice from Quan Chang at the time. Um, he was one who kind of said like, you have to stop thinking about this from one spot to the next and think about this as a whole picture. Um, I also got great advice from uh, Ron Hutchison back nice. then as well, who who kind of 
um, gave me the idea of how to like what shifting gears means and how to um, structure a match so that it doesn't go all in, all in one gear or all at one pace. You know, when do you kick it up a notch? When do you bring it back down? When do you like, when do you get to that fire spot where, you know, everything's popping and everything's exploding. Um, so like the, again, I was just happy to pick the brain of every, there was no such thing as bad advice and like any piece of advice, any tidbit, any, anything that I could absorb. I was trying to like absorb as much as I could. Mm -hmm. And learn that, you know, and I mean, like you learn things as you go along, like with, like with anything, I guess, but learning the little things that unless you really, really pay attention, you don't notice, you know, it wasn't until much later in my career that I started being able to like, even see what the little things were. I, I didn't now I fully embrace like the little things are everything the, 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 you know, the moves are almost secondary to like yeah. the little things. So all the, the little stuff that you do and, and, and say, as you're going along, you stayed on. I think one of my favorite things I ever heard from a very credible source was, uh, was something Terry Funk said. I, I can't, I, I think I heard this through Mick Foley through that's like the fifth time I mentioned Mick Foley with <laughs> Terry Funk, where he said, he said to him, he says, you know, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got, he said it was from Terry Funk and he said, cactus, <laughs> hang on. I used to be able to do a pretty good Terry Funk. Hang on. <clears throat> cactus. No, I, I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> just, that's good. Uh, just, I used to be way better at it. Um, just, if you think you've been down for too long, Stay down another few seconds. Yeah, I, like, I say that at the school all the time. I'm like, if you think you're you're going too fast, you're going yes, way. Yeah, too I think that's the quote. I think I messed up the quote, but it's, if you think you're going too fast, cactus, and slow down more. Yeah, if you think that you're going the right speed, you're still going too fast. Yeah, like slow it down. It, like if you think you're going too slow. That's the right speed. Yeah. I'm going too slow. That's there's nothing it's, quite like, like just from a fan's perspective, like, you know, if you execute something like don't just immediately move on and run to something else. It's like, if I see someone get hit with a dev, like just like I say, like a devastating power slam or something or body, like, and then you just immediately move on to something else. It's like, well, like you just, with this. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like people, I mean, your instinct when you're in the ring is, you know, whether you've planned every single move in a match or you've planned a few moves or you've planned no moves, you, you find yourself like instinctually moving on to the next thing after right. you've completed whatever it is that you're in. And you have to remember, like, as I, as I said, I like my wrestling good and fake and hopefully it doesn't hurt. Despite the fact that maybe it didn't hurt, the illusion is that it is supposed to kill you. That like was the most devastating thing you've ever experienced. Like, you know, that's, that's right. Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, things that really bother me are like, you know, you get a guy in a corner and then they start throwing a hundred punches and a hundred kicks and they go like 3000 miles an hour. Have you ever been punched in the face before? Yeah. It doesn't feel very good. <laughs> no. It, it, like if, if anybody listening to this, if you've never been punched in the face before, it's a game changer. Like it, it changes your <laughs> Try life. Try it sometime. Yeah. Like the, the first time you get punched in the face and then you see wrestling where they're throwing 3000 punches, you're like, yeah. well, that's all fake because a punch 
sucks. Like it hurts. Yeah. So that like keep that in mind when you punch somebody in the corner. It hurts them. It hurts your hand. Like take a second to register all of that. Yes. If you throw a kick, like have you ever been kicked in the balls before? Sucks. <laughs> Doesn't feel very good. <laughs> not 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 my favorite day in the whole world. So like, like hell, you haven't even been kicked in the shin before. Like, yeah. like that shit like, hurts. <laughs> register that, register that emotion and display it for everybody to see. Because it, like when we talk about a guy like Mr. Perfect, the guy who bought the cheapest seat in the furthest corner, the very back row, hidden behind a post when Mr. Perfect was selling, he knew mm-hmm. Mr. Perfect was getting killed. He's the best seller of all time. And Dolph Ziggler is right behind him. Like yes. those guys who, who, you can call it over the top if you want to, but again, like get punched in the face once and tell me that you don't want to go cry in the corner. It fucking sucks. So like display that, put that out there. For sure. And I mean, you know, I I think it was something that I always would hear JR, excuse me, talk about it where you'd be like, you know, what happened to the days when you would just get punched in the face and you would feel it? Like, he always talks about that on his podcast. He's just like, oh, here comes the 10 punch. Like, he talks about, like, how, like, you know, like, back in the day when you would get punched in the face, like, you know, oh, Terry Funk punched you in the face, it would mean something. Like, you know, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I get the evolution of the business, too. Of the course. guys are, are far more athletic today than ever before. Um, you know, some of the acrobatic moves that I I wish I could do and I can't, but I mean, like if if you imagine somebody doing, you know, a flip and throwing their entire body weight onto you on the outside of the ring and you're landing on cement, like that's the illusion, right? We know that it's padded. We know that there's safe ways to both do the dive, be caught, all those things. Like we as, as professionals know that, but are like the, people who we're trying to sell our product to shouldn't be expected to like, they're trying to get themselves lost in the product. Mm-hmm. They're, they're trying to, you don't go to a movie and see like a gunshot and go, well, oh, that gun's fake. Like that guy didn't really die. Right. You yeah. know? So when, when something like that happens, register like the total impact, the total, um, I'm like a loss for the for total devastation of the move. Yeah, like, come on, devastation of both, both the person delivering it and the person mm. receiving it. Like there should be selling on both parts. Yeah. And you know, if, if you're going to have someone jump over the top rope to a group of people, don't all surround your, don't all surround the area like quail staring at the ring, waiting for the moment to that happen. Like let's drive me <laughs> crazy. Like it makes my skin crawl see everybody cluster up in a group and then look up and it's they're like, all just oh. looking up it's like what are you doing like i get i like listen this is this is coming from someone who has never taken a bump like all you know just for disclaimer but like when, when i'm trying to explain to somebody why i love wrestling and you know explaining how like if you just get lost in the moment and like let yourself be taken by it and don't don't overthink it don't you know just just have fun that's what this is yep. supposed to be suspend your disbelief and then they're watching and they go well why are all those guys standing in, in a cluster like that not even fighting like some people can do it don't get me wrong but like i don't know some of those guys i'm like you're just kind of looking at each it's other. Like, and then they all start like putting their arms around each other. Yeah. You know? Like everybody's in a big group hug. And then it's like, Oh, 
oh here comes somebody i like i totally hear you don't give yeah. don't give people a reason to take themselves yeah. out of the moment like be safe let, of course but of course. Yeah, i mean like i've been dove on i if i'm planning a match and there's a dive like that i know it's coming like we've talked about it nobody goes up on the top rope and just jumps without having a discussion <laughs> to say, this guy doing? <laughs> well, when we're outside we're gonna do a dive like you know what's coming so i don't have to be looking at the post or at the ropes or whatever to know okay we're at the spot where whoever said they were going to come out and do a dive so like i can have my back completely turned i just have to know timing that i've got to be there to catch them when he when he comes out right so like there, there's definitely an art form to that kind of stuff so that you don't take your fans out of the moment. And like there is an element of selling, I think, m- almost more often from the person delivering right. the move or delivering, you know, whatever it is, the dive, the punch, the kick, whatever. Like they also have to sell to and register that they performed it. That's it. Like if you if you deliver like one thing, I, I think as far as like a high impact top rope move like one person who always stood out to me majorly uh was rob van dam right like when he hit that five star frog splash i mean it it was one of the most devastating maneuvers i'd ever seen and, and he came he up would, and he was selling his yes. ass and you crawl over and make the pin like all that great stuff like that's that's how it should be yeah i mean i'm sure that actually fucking hurt <laughs> but like you know it's it's like not a stretch to sell when yeah like- no exactly yeah um but from what i've been told sometimes the stuff that hurts the most it's almost like it hurts so much you forget to sell it it's like wow that really hurt like <laughs> you know uh, like i i say this at the school a lot too it's the little stuff mm-hmm. that hurts like the most yeah. it's the little stupid things that really hurt and you're like holy shit that hurt and then you know you get into the great big spot like a power bomb or something which looks great but if it's performed properly it doesn't really hurt. like i'm sorry it doesn't really hurt <laughs> It Unless, kind of, of course, it's being delivered by hurts. CJ Felony during a title match. That's a different story. And then in which case, it's completely incapacitated. It's completely devastating. But, but yeah, totally, yeah, total, totally devastating. Um, you know, you, you you get, you're you're in a headlock and then somebody like, you know, they really get their knuckles up in on your nose or something. That's like, ah, oh, like, Jesus Christ, you know, this is fake, right? Like, what are you doing? So work. <laughs> or, you know, they really grab onto you or when they throw you, like they throw you. And I, those are steel cables that you're running yeah. into. Like, you know, I want to be able to take my own steps and turn and hit the ropes and come back out at my own pace. I don't need you launching me in at 3000 miles an hour to make it look real. Like I can make it look real on my own. So it's that kind of stuff that really hurts. Like, yeah, it's not always fun. And I mean, like, I, I would imagine from from speaking with someone who you know is a is a dear friend of mine who did some training with you, of course. Um, you know, like, I asked him after he had done it a few weeks, like, what was the thing that hurt the most? Like, he was like, honestly, he's like, it's the damn cables. Yeah, <laughs> running the ropes. Like, he's like, I was not ready for how much that would hurt. <laughs> like, yeah, neither was I. That was yeah. the, the thing that hurt me the most in training too. And I would come home with like rope burns on my back. Yeah. And I wore them like a badge on honor. I was like, look at my back. It's all torn up. And people were like, what the hell is wrong with you? And I'm like, yeah, this is sweet. Look at this. <laughs> Touch them. Come on. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Get out of here. Yeah. You 
what the hell's wrong with this guy? Hit me with a chair. What? <laughs> Sir, you have to leave the pharmacy at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> Try at 11. A man was in charge. <laughs> Can't even get through. Can't even get through the bit. But that's that's what's so so interesting. Like to me, like looking at like say like what you're doing with the Chinlock Wrestling School, which you know I hope that we can, you know, uh, of course get back to that because that was something else, unfortunately, that you know with the pandemic yeah. had to be obviously had to be. Uh, uh, COVID took it away. Yeah, but I mean, you know, we were able to at least see a. A full class come through that, and at the student showcase, we got to see some phenomenal matchups from from students. Looking back, when you really started getting into your career, and you really started to feel more comfortable, um, was there a point when you kind of had that aha moment where you were like, "Okay, I feel like I'm I'm kind of getting to be at least okay at this," or did you have that confidence from day one? No, I actually still don't really have that confidence. Like, I, I just never really, I think I project that confidence. Like, sometimes I th- I think I come across as though I've got it all figured out, but, like, truly, I have no idea what I'm doing. I just try my best to do what I think people want to see. Like, what, what, what I would appreciate as a fan, that, that's what I try to put out sure. there. Um, I didn't ever really feel like I was qualified to be a teacher. It took Jan Murphy, like, again, one of those moments where he's like, come on, like, there's nobody more qualified to do this, but you. And I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I don't think I can. And he's like, you just, just do it. Trust me. It like, you, you, you don't understand the talents that you have. And once you start doing it, like, that's when you'll kind of come to the, and I mean, as, I would say probably the first six or eight weeks of the class, I was like, I don't know if I'm like, am I doing this right? There's no manual for wrestling school where it's like, okay, today we're doing headlocks. It's like, I'm going to teach these guys kind of how I was taught. And it was like, get in the ring and do rolls, get in the ring and do bumps, learn how to flip bump, run those ropes until your back bleeds. Like, is that the right way to learn how to wrestle? I don't know. Learn the fundamentals and how to do them safely. Then we can worry about, quadruple moonsaults down the road one day maybe <laughs> like probably drove those guys crazy because i would make them get in the ring and do the exact same things over and over and over and over and over and over again and i just kept saying like i want you to do this so many times that you don't have to think about it anymore right. like when somebody gives you a clothesline and you need to bump don't think about the bump or the clothesline just it just happens mm-hmm. and then when you can get to that point like where you don't I was always worried about like executing a move properly. If if somebody gave me an arm drag, did I, did I take the arm drag, right? Did it look right? Did I bump properly? And I was screwing everything up because I was overthinking it all the time. Like I know how to take an arm drag. I've known how to take an arm drag for 20 years. So when I stopped thinking about the mechanics of the arm drag while it was happening and I just let it happen, that's when it started. Like, I guess that, I'm having my aha moment right now. <laughs> like it's right. you, you, you just have to turn your brain off. Everything in your brain is telling you that what's happening is wrong. Like when somebody's running at you with a clothesline or a steel chair, or they're trying to kick you in the face, all of your instincts are to get the hell out of the way in wrestling. You've got to stand there. 
Like you've got to, right. and, and let it happen. And then you also have to be able to protect yourself. So like, there's lots of little mechanics that you overthink. Right. And when you get to the point where you're not thinking about the little things, then you can focus on things like the psychology side of things. And, you know, yeah, I, I don't think I, about yeah. the moves anymore. Right. If somebody says to me, I want to do a triple, whatever, like, <laughs> A triple Furnum okay. Snavitz reversed. Like what? Like, sure. Sounds great. <clears throat> Whatever you want to, like, there are only really three bumps in a wrestling match. There's a front bump, a back bump, and a flip bump. Right. You're either bumping on your stomach, bumping on your back, or being flipped. Like, that's it. So whatever it is, it's going to be one of those three. Yeah, we'll figure so, it out. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, you seem to know what the move is, so that's great. Like, I'm sure you're a professional. You're going to take care of me in, in doing it. You're not going to kill me with it. And if you do kill me with it, then I don't ever to do it again. Right. On that note, I have to ask, in, I'm assuming probably in your early career, too, in that, like, early, mid-2000s, was there anyone you, like, worked with? You know, I have to name names, but was there anyone you worked with who, like, you kind of were like, oh, geez, like... I kind of there were really people who were protected. who were stiff with me. I think they were okay. maybe sometimes like I think they were trying to get rid of me. I was annoying. Okay, you know, I, I like I I was that little annoying person that was yeah. asking all the questions and like I just wanted to be around wrestling so badly. They were like, "Holy shit, just go away, <laughs> let us breathe." But I would so right. so. I mean, when I would get in the ring with them, they would kind of beat me up a little bit. Um, but I. I mean, over the years, I've definitely had some some really bad matches that I, I wouldn't want to relive. Um, but nobody, I, I can't think of anybody that I would never okay. work. Harley Davidson. I would never work with Harley Davidson. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, that's, I mean, that's good to hear at least, though, because like, you know, it's this, some people definitely, I'm sure, have some horror stories of, you know, this I've guy did this and yeah. Oh, I've, yeah. I've seen people intentionally hurt people. Uh, and I like, like that. Yeah. It, again, you're putting your, it, you can, whatever move you just created and gave me a name for, I would trust you to take care of me doing it. Yeah. Like I said, and if you, if you screwed it up and hurt me accidentally, that's one thing, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes things just don't go as planned and people get hurt. But if you intentionally try to hurt me, or, you, you know, you, you intentionally try to take away my ability to be able to provide for my family. That's different. And I've seen it. It's never happened to me, thankfully, but I, I've, I've seen it. Right. And that's, you know, you hate seeing stuff like that. Like, uh, cause I mean, I mean, there's as wrestling fans, there's lots of stuff out there of people, you know, even if they're necessarily trying to injure that person, it's like, they're out there, like, you know, they call a clothesline and then they just punch the guy in the face or something like, you know, it's like stuff like that for sure does happen and it can happen. So it's, it's at least good to hear though that you never really uh, experienced that because I mean, there's some, especially in the tape trader, you know, era, like there's some scary stuff out there of yeah. guys just beating each other up. Like There have been times people have come to me and said, like, I want to do whatever move it is. And I say, I don't think I like, I, I don't have enough trust to, to take it. Like right. maybe I've got to see it first before, you know, somebody wants to do some crazy top rope move or whatever. And I've got myself yeah. into situations where I've agreed to do things and gotten hurt. And I probably should have known better. Mm. Um, 
but I've never had anybody like intentionally come out to like gun and to really hurt me. Except for Jan Murphy, of course, but that's, you know, that's neither. Well, yeah, there. But he's not a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> Barely a journalist. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> we love Jan Murphy here on the hottest show. I won't, uh, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Still some uh, old wounds there, but uh, <laughs> how's your head feeling? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. Okay, we'll move on. I we'll told you nothing on. was there was nothing off the table. That was off the table. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the one thing. But listen, I don't, I'd like to though also remind everybody that we are talking to the two year undefeated streaked Chinlock heavyweight champion CJ Felony. So you know, again, that's a takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty big. I mean, really, that's that's at, at the end of everything we've talked about here today. That is the takeaway from this podcast. I, I hope everybody does. <laughs> oh, that's it, man. Well, as we get ready to, to one down here, you know, I I could talk to you all night. There's so much other stuff I want to ask you, but one thing I really wanted to make sure I promised myself I talked to you about. There was a time I messaged you because. I got so excited when I heard, like, I mean, I love your current entrance theme, which of course is Disturbs Asylum. And, and it's, I, I love it. When I was at Chinlock 5 and I heard it, I went, oh, like, I love, <laughs> I love Disturbed. And I was like, yeah. yes, like I got so excited. Um, and I saw a video, I, I think it was from the year before, the a couple years before yeah. you came out to love the way you hate me. Yes, um, like a storm. By like, a, thank you. I couldn't remember the name of the damn band off the top of my head. Um, and I freaked out because I always thought that song would make a great entrance theme. And then I, I was watching the video and I was like, oh my God. Like, it, it so speaks that, that song. Like, I mean, I love Asylum. I'm a huge Disturbed fan. Huge. I, I've seen Disturbed in live in concert 13 times. Love Disturbed. Like, just love Disturbed. So I always wanted to find a song that worked and Asylum works. But love the way you hate me speaks to me like on so many levels. So when I heard it, I, I'm a Sirius XM subscriber. So I have Octane playing in my car. If it's not Octane, it's Turbo, like all the time. That song played and I was like, holy, like this is a banger. I, first, I was trying to think of like a different, it, it would work for somebody else. But the more I, I listened to it, the more I was like, this is me. Like it just, everything about it, I love. Mm -hmm. Um and the didgeridoo is a guilty pleasure. Yes. <laughs> Who else has a didgeridoo solo in their song? I mean, come on. Yeah, right. Like a storm are <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> so I, I wanted to ask when you started wrestling, what were some of your, cause I'm assuming you probably had a, a few themes over the years. What, was, what were some of your, what were some of your themes that you had? So I used for a long time. I used um, unreal by soil. Oh was, my, you just became even more of like one of my favorite <laughs> wrestlers because I fucking love soil. Yeah, soil's awesome. That's awesome. Like, <laughs> so, uh, so after that, I used Lies by Evanescence. Nice. Uh, I used that for a long period of time. Then after that, I was watching an old WCW clip and Big Bubba Rogers came out and I was like, shit, his theme's pretty cool. So I used his theme for a while. <laughs> I can't I actually, I'm going to look that up because I can't think of that. Pretty time. much my entire ocw run that's what i used as a theme song um okay. after that uh geez i gotta think back i used something briefly after that before i went to the like a storm um love the way you hate me and then 
when I was coming into Chihuahua and I, oh, how could I forget? I, I've used Outshined by Soundgarden, which is like probably my number two band of all time. Nice. Um, I was I was laying in bed one night uh, listening to the radio and Outshine came on and I was like, what a great like that's such a great riff. Yeah, it's such a cool tune. So that's what I used as a tag team theme forever. And I always kind of kid with Catalyst. Like I'll send him a message and I'm like, hey, I think I found a new song. Like check it out. And then I just like play Outshine again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. that. That's that's something too I, I wanted to ask you about. You know, you're you're obviously known as a, a singles competitor, but then also you've had this team with Catalyst Nick Williams, Total Devastation now. How, how long have you guys been teaming together? When did you meet? 10 years. So we, so <laughs> 2020 was 10 years and we had wow. a ton of t-shirts made up for the decade of devastation that are sitting in a box because we couldn't sell them. <laughs> well, listen, you guys were undefeated in 2020 and 2021. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, throwing it out there. Hey, we're the world tag team champions of the world. Yeah. We, we've held the, uh, EWLS Tag Team Championships for six years. We've never defended them, never once. Yeah, so you've never lost. That's right. That's all that matters. (laughs) That's awesome. We won the belts and killed the town. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, the the lifetime champions. I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's fantastic. Yeah, no, I um, I, I was a big, big fan of... uh, of Catalyst when I, when I saw him too. And so it was a buddy of mine. He was like, that dude is awesome. And he comes up to seven, this black. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like that's yeah. when, when he first started, he started training in, I think it was 2009. I was looking at my career then thinking maybe it's time for me to wind down. So that kind of gives you a window into okay. like, I've, I've kind of taken a cut a few times. I've taken a step back and said, okay, maybe like, you've obviously achieved far more than you ever should have. Maybe this is your time. Like maybe you should run off. So I was, I was thinking about it then and he was in training and he was just like killing everybody. He was so athletic. Uh, He was picking everything up like really, really quickly, but it just didn't ever feel like he was going to get an opportunity to get onto those events. And I thought it was such a crime. Like he was just so good. So because I was trying to wind down, I was like, well, maybe I could bring him onto the shows as my tag team partner, have like, have him kind of get a little bit of shine from that. And then I can slowly pull away and let him off. He goes. So that's how the tag team started. We didn't have a name. We didn't have a move. We barely knew each other at the time. I just thought he's so, he's so good. And I don't feel like he's going to get an opportunity. So maybe I can use some of my shine and, and, let him go. Turns out that we're still teaming. <laughs> we're still going. <laughs> so maybe, maybe he wants me to back off. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I I think it's it's so cool that you know you guys have been doing this together, and you know it, I have such respect for you and for for what you've done in your career and what you continue to do in your career as well. And I mean, you know, Thank I'm you. I'm so excited when I what really made me such a fan of your your work was actually when uh, I saw the videos of you rightfully attacking Jane Murphy. Let's just, you know, throw it out there as much as we love Jane Murphy here on the harder show. It was those videos that really, I was just like, I need to, I think I messaged Jay and was like, 
I want in. I want to be there. I want to see this. Just it made me such a fan of what you were doing. They were so fun to produce, like so, so fun to produce because uh, like I wanted to do something a little bit different. Right. Uh, And again, make people believe that it's real, like really make people. And and when I say our inbox blew up the first video with RJ, when I tore up that T-shirt, that wasn't my idea. That that was uh, RJ and his mom. Uh, with jan they came up with the idea and then jan pitched it to me and i was like oh i love it like let's let's right are you sure rj's gonna be okay that we do this? he's like yeah he's all in oh, yeah, so we filmed the video tore up the t-shirt and then him and i sat on the living room floor and played wb 13 for like an hour he was showing me all his creative characters and like nice. he made me play as tommy dreamer so i kind of resent him for that <laughs> <laughs> so that video aired and our inbox just blew up blew up and i was like oh we're on to something like every time you respond to me i don't make it wrestling like don't be like on saturday night i'm gonna beat your ass like that that's wrestling don't do that just like imagine i really did this imagine i really went to rj's house and tore up the t-shirt threw it in his face and tried to stuff a five dollar bill in his pocket whatever like how would that really make you feel yeah. Like, give me disappointment, give me anger, give me frustration. Like, those emotions cap- capture that, put it on camera. So then he would put his videos out and then it would blow up again. Like, are you going to beat Justin's ass? Like, this is way over the line. I was like, we need to go further over the line. <laughs> like, who else can we? So I went to Far's gym. Far was great to work with. Same thing. He's like, really punched me in the face. I was like, punches suck, man. Like, this is. <laughs> I'm not punching you in the face. But he was like, really, like, really make it look real. So, you know, I'm on top of him, pounding the piss out of him. Noel, same thing. He's like, I really want you to crank me with the belt. And I'm like, it's steel, man. Like, (laughs) I know you see it on wrestling, but if I hit you with this, like, I'm coming. It's good. It's, yeah. So I did. Whack. And same thing. He messaged me afterwards. He's like, my Italian family wants you dead. And I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Like, maybe we've gone a little bit too far. Uh, Yeah. Don't don't turn your car on, bro. Just just, you know. Yeah, right. (laughs) But every time Jan would respond, like, that's what really that was the glue to all of this. I can go and do all of this stuff. But if he responds and he's like, on Saturday night, I'm going to kick your ass. Yeah. And it just, it's like, oh, it's just phony wrestling, like whatever. But like, he was so good at capturing the, those emotions, like that sadness that his best friend would, like, how could you do this? All yeah. the great things that our charity does and all the great things that you're involved in, you're throwing it away. So you can get a little bit of YouTube fame. Right. Like, being how, hard how from you, the event and you know yeah, all that. how could it's you like, do yeah. that to me it was just it was so good yeah it, it it was really truly like i remember even being you know the uh, the, the i wouldn't say jaded anymore but you know at the time maybe being a bit of a jaded wrestling fan and i'm watching sure. this just going like whoa like this is like you know i mean i remember messaging jay and going like this is like this is real. Like, this is like, Oh my goodness. Like, you know, and I also didn't want to get to the point where I was like, this is real, but everything else I'm watching is fake. Right. Like I wanted yeah. it to be like really dance on that fine line of, yeah, I got to show up Saturday and see, see what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, and that's what was so, it was so cool about it. it was just like, you need to be there to see what unfolds. Cause it's just, yeah, <laughs> it was, uh, 
it was and the awesome, whole, man. I mean, the whole idea, and I and I joke about it. Like my win loss record really is like three thousand and five. <laughs> so, I, I, I wanted, even if I if I were to win. I wanted to send the fans home happy seeing me get my ass kicked. Like it's important to me that they get what they pay for. Like they're there to see me get my ass kicked. So that's where laying in the ring until like they're tearing, (laughs) they're like rolling me up in the canvas. That's where that was born from because I just thought like, what better water cooler moment the next day than did you see felony? He was laying in the ring until like they were tearing the chairs down. (laughs) Like the whole event was over. He was still knocked out. Yeah, I remember I remember so vividly that night and that moment when, you know, all of the uh yourself and all the students were there. Like I remember I mean mainly because one of my friends was involved with it, but like, you know, <clears throat> then the aftermath of looking at the ring and seeing you laying there and still <laughs> laying there and we're sitting there cuz I'm like I want to sit here until he gets up. I want to see how long he's going to sit for. And then going like, okay, guys, like this is ridiculous. We need to leave. Like we got to get out of here and go. Minutes, yeah, I would like until somebody drags me out of there. I'll lay there all night. You can yeah. roll me up. <laughs> well, that's what I heard afterwards from from Sam. He's just like, oh, dude, like, nah, he's not going to move you. That no. You guys should have just left. Like I was like, yeah. how long is he going to lay there? Like, there's no way he's. Well, they're literally tearing the ring down. He's going to get up and nope. and and it's a selfish reason too like i mean i want to give the people what they paid for and like see me like knocked out and killed but it's also kind of like my moment is in it's like ah the the show's over everything went well the fans are happy you know i'm I'm literally laying there and like in bliss thinking ah like thank god and jan every single time we complete a show he says so when's the next one and i'm like i'm out like we're not doing an next one. This is it. And he's like, no, come on. Like seriously, when? And I'm like, no. Like we're not. There, there are no more shows because I never really wanted to get involved in promoting. I, I had kind of like dabbled in it previously before Chinlock, and I. It's just it. It's a very difficult thing to make sure that everybody's happy. Right. And, and that's not. That's not just you know, the wrestlers and making sure that they're satisfied with whatever creative it is that they're doing, whatever matches it is that they're having, but making sure that the fans are like genuinely $10 is a lot of money for people that go and earn and then plop down on the fact that that, like wrestling is the coolest thing in the world to me. And they're spending it to let me do that. Like they're, they're spending their hard earned money, bringing their family, trusting me not to, um, you know, it's a family event and they're trusting me right. to like entertain their children in a safe way. That that's super, super powerful. So, you know, I, I, every time we do it, I'm like, no, I'm out. Like we're good. I've, I've done my good deed. We're done. He's like, no, like, don't be stupid. Let's keep going. So he, he like really has to talk me into, and I, like, I, I mean, part of me really means when I say like, I'm good, I'm done. But I always know that we're gonna go forward yeah. and push it further, and yeah, you just know, it okay, bigger. it'll it'll come back around, like yeah, yeah. I don't take the responsibility of it being a family event, and like people who work very hard for their money, who have families to provide for, who have like real life responsibilities, spend their money to let me live my dream. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, you're not taking that for granted. Like you can tell you're very not much, you know, I mean, even seeing you at the events, running around, making sure everything's good. Like, you know, both you and Jan, like just running around and making sure everyone's where they need to be and everyone's getting in okay and stuff. Like you can feel the, how much passion and care you guys have for it. And it's very contagious. And it's something that I know everyone involved with Chinlock Wrestling down to, you know, all, all of even the crew that just helped set it up and stuff like that. Like everyone is so passionate about wrestling and providing that entertainment. It, it's, it's very for the whole family, which is another thing I really love about Chinlock. Um, and it's just, it's so cool to see. And it's so contagious. Thank you. That, I mean, that's a huge compliment. Thank you. It's my pleasure, man. And, you know, it, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to chat. I could chat with you for another three, four <laughs> hours, but I wanted to make sure Last thing I wanted to ask you here before I let sure. you go. Yeah. Possibly the most difficult question I'm going to ask you, but we'll, we'll see how it goes here. Okay. Do you have a favorite match of yours that you can pinpoint? And do you have a favorite match just from as a fan perspective? Oh, boy. Uh, it's It's hard to pick like just one like favorite match of all time for, for me, like in my career, because I've been so blessed to do so many really, really cool things. Like I could say being able to wrestle in my hometown against Hacksaw Jim Duggan, like that, I that's, mean, that's pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty, pretty freaking cool. But then I also think back to like, you know, being able to when catalyst and I created the tag team, we very quickly won tag team championships. And then, you know, we were able to also then get another tag team over who became Freak Nation. And they've had a great run. Like That's being able to, awesome. to almost like, you know, build and create. I look back at my match with Silver Fox at the student showcase. Like right. that's a pretty friggin' cool moment that would be impossible to recreate. So it's hard for me to pick just one favorite. I, I, I mean, they all kind of rank pretty high. As a fan, my answer always changes, but I always seem to come back to Rock and Hogan at WrestleMania 18. I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> that's a pretty big a match that if you watch on mute, you'd throw up. But yeah, sure, like, it, as yeah. a wrestling match, yeah. off terrible. But you know, I went to WrestleMania 18, <clears throat> and I, I was so I I bought tickets to WrestleMania 18 on the floor. Uh, I think I was in the seventh row. And I sold them because I wasn't really super like ripped on the card. I didn't, you know, Stone Cold and and um, and Scott, Scott Hall. Yeah, I really wanted Stone Cold and Hogan. Like that's right. where I wanted to go first as a fan. Uh, so a friend of mine, Rich, who um, is actually kind of really where my Rich helps build my wrestling career, and I I, I hate that um, I haven't mentioned him yet. Today is actually the anniversary of his past. Oh, okay. uh, so so when rich passed away he left me some of his wrestling belongings and the cj felony uh, character was created uh on a tribute show to him he was he was a huge wrestling fan always wanted to get involved had a lot of health problems that prevented him from doing so so to be able to wrestle a match dedicated to him in front of his parents and in front of his family was was really big and today is the anniversary of his passing and I'm sorry for not mentioning that before now, uh, but he convinced me to go to WrestleMania 18 too. So I bought tickets on eBay the week before the show, 
<clears throat> I sat in the 100 level and the feeling of the ground shaking underneath me when the crowd was roaring for Hulk Hogan. So I've been, I've been in some pretty big, like, you know, I've seen some big home runs at Blue Jays games in the same stadium, not the same feeling. Like there was 70,000 people running on one emotion, Hulkamania. Nothing else mattered in the whole world, but Hulkamania in that moment, it was unbelievable. So much so that when we drove home that night, it was freezing rain. We didn't get home until 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning. And I called Rob, Silver Fox. And I was like, <laughs> did you tape WrestleMania? You need to come over right now. I have to. So we, he brought his tape over. He lived across the street. Brought his tape over in there, pushing it into the VCR, watching it. It's, it's hard. It's hard for me to. Yeah. I, it's such a special look, match. Yeah. Like I, I look at, you know, Flair and Michaels, or you could pick either of the Michaels Undertaker matches at WrestleMania. You can look at, um, you know, Rock and Austin at 19. You can, uh, you know, Brent and Austin, all, all great choices. Like there's no. Anybody who says, like, unless somebody comes to you and they're like, my favorite match is a Danny franchise match, then, you know, block them. <laughs> but there's no wrong answer here. <laughs> Except Danny franchise. Except for Danny franchise. Oh, man. Shout out to Danny franchise. We uh, we here at the Hogger Show uh, are, are fans of Danny franchise. But, uh, you know, it, if you want to buy a T-shirt, that's cool, I guess. But uh, <laughs> I'd prefer you let your money on fire. Really, true. For uh, me. For, for, for the reigning, defending, unbeaten in the year 2000 and 2021, Chainlock Heavyweight Champion of the World, CJ Felony, burn your money instead of buying a Danny Franchise t-shirt. I'm going to put that on my next t-shirt. <laughs> this is this is way better than a Danny Franchise t-shirt. Just a big picture of him with a big X on it. You know what? There was a moment at uh, at the last brewery show. I was standing in a gr- in the group with the students, and one of the students had gone and they bought a Danny franchise T shirt and put it on, and then they walked back to the group. And I just I, I don't want to say who it was <laughs> because I, I was I was truly joking. I, I was, course, but I just yeah. looked and it was just like the disappointment that that I felt in that moment. <laughs> Have I not told you to make better choices? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we talked about this? <laughs> I, just, I was like, hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you're going to make it, kid. I don't know. Yeah. I need to rethink this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, your your uh, rent, your rate just went up. <laughs> <laughs> you got the Danny franchise tax. <laughs> Obviously, we're joking. We all we all love Danny. Danny franchise. Big shout out to him. Uh, what, what Danny, they, what, again. One of my favorite people on earth. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Like I, I just, I adore Danny. He's such a genuine human being. Um, and I'm so lucky to have his friendship really. Yeah. He, he was the, well, only behind the beards. Cause I already knew them, but at that first, at that brewery show, he was one of the first people that really went out of his way to like, you know, aside from, you know, like, like yourself and Jan and that, like, just be like, Oh, like, I don't know who you are. Hey, like, you know, and I was just like, He's I'm, another guy that just I, yeah. loves being there. Like he just, he loves wrestling so much and he's just thrilled to be a part of the events. He wants nothing more to, than to be able to entertain people mm-hmm. and make people feel like he felt when he, you know, right. he was a fan he was watching wrestling. And I admire that about him a lot. 
Oh, for sure. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm so, I can't, if you guys can't tell, I keep talking cause I'm just like, I'm so excited to, to be able to start talking about a chin lock wrestling event. I'm so excited to, to see one unfolds and to be there on June 4th to see the reigning defending unbeaten for over two years. Chinlock heavyweight champion of the world, CJ Felony, in some capacity in action. Hopefully, you know, we'll see. We don't. He doesn't need to defend this title. You know, I mean, I don't need to. No, you've proven enough at this point. Absolutely, I, I should. I mean, I should be able to retire on top. We we yeah, talked right, about yeah. that at the beginning of the show. We'll talk about it at the end of the show. You just you retire on top. That's it. <laughs> everyone, everyone knows who the champ is. Let's just you know. That's it. I love it. I just love it so much. <laughs> awesome. Well, Justin, I, I can't thank you enough, man. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to chat with you. And uh, I'll be very much looking forward to, to seeing you on that day there, man. Listen, thank you so much for, for having me on. I know this kind of came about last minute, but <laughs> as much as you were looking forward to having me on the show, I was so looking forward to, to being able to come onto the show. This was super, super fun. And I'd love to be able to do it again. Oh, f- for sure. There is so much stuff that we didn't even talk about that I wanted to ask. So we will uh, definitely have to give you, get you back on sometime to, to talk some more wrestling stories. You're the man. I love it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, brother. There you have it, folks. My chat with Justin Cusio, of course, also known as CJ Felony, the reigning defending undefeated in the last two years. Heavyweight champion of the world for Chinlock Wrestling. Big shout out to CJ for coming on and being so candid and just being such a great guest. I literally could have talked to him for another like three hours. Like seriously, there was so much ground to cover. So definitely be sure to keep an eye out for, for him to come on again sometime because that was a lot of fun. I, I love wrestling and I don't get to talk about it a lot on the show. Because I also really love music and uh, podcasting. So I, whenever I have guests on who are in the wrestling world, I have so much fun talking about it. And it really reminds me of the love that I have for professional wrestling. And uh, that was a, just, a, just a pleasure. So Justin, thank you so much, man, for coming on and being such a fantastic guest. And shout out to everyone at the Chinlock Wrestling Camp. Uh, something tells me you might see uh, some faces from Chinlock Wrestling a little closer to uh, to June because this was a bit of a last minute thing as, as I think we mentioned a couple times there. And Justin was gracious enough to literally come on with like 10 minutes notice. He saw a status I put up the other night. If you guys saw it saying, uh, I had a last minute cancellation and Justin was like, yo, let's go. So it was, it just worked out and some magic was captured. So, uh, again, big shout out Justin. Thank you so much. And shout out to you. Thank you so very much for listening, especially if you're still listening, because this is the outro and most people tune in after the outro, but you're still listening and you are seriously the best. And I'm going to grant you the patented audio fist bump here on The Hotter Show. You ready for this? That was a good one on that. The whole desk shock. <laughs> what other idiot out there would punch their microphone? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, man, just thank you so much for the support and for, for still listening up to this point here on the show. And before we go, I, of course, need to take a second to give a huge shout out to the Patreon supporters of The Harder Show, my hardheads. We, of course, have my man, my confidant, Mr. Scotty D, 
who has been one of my dearest friends for many years and has been a supporter of the show pretty much from day one. So Scott, thank you so very, very much for not only being a fantastic human being, but also being a supporter of this podcast and a patron, a hod head. And then of course, I need to give a huge shout out to the Grey Rooms family, Jason Wilson, Brooks Bigley, everyone over there at the Grey Rooms. Thank you guys so much for all the support you have given me, not only with your patronage and becoming a hothead, with the very generous uh, patrons of the Grey Rooms team gives me uh, every single month, but also just for the vote of confidence that you guys took in me to allow one of my episodes to appear on your feed. It seriously meant the world to me. And I am such a genuine fan of the gray rooms. It just, uh, it's still surreal. It's been like almost a month now and I still can't shake. What a, a surreal, cool thing that was for me as a genuine fan of the show and to have you guys as patrons here on the hotter show. And if you want to get little shouts like that, Every single week here on the show, check out the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the hotter show. Find a tier that is right for you. You can share it like that. And also some fun bonus content that is actually coming this month. I'm very excited. I'm actually going to be recording it very, very soon. The first episode of a Patreon exclusive podcast. And I got some cool things planned for that. So get on over to the Patreon. Find a tier that's right for you. I got a lot of cool things coming with that. We did hit our first goal, but we can always uh, we can always keep that goal going. You know, better the Patreon does, the better I can make my podcast, and the better I can make my podcast. Hopefully, the more enjoyable it can be for all of you guys. That's what I'm trying to do here: take you out of what's going on in the world right now, and just try and entertain you for a little bit, and try and make you laugh, make you think. Hopefully make you laugh. That's kind of what I, I like to do here. Just make you laugh, smile, be entertained. That's what The Hotter Show is all about. That's why I started this podcast. That's why I love podcasting so much. And episodes like this really uh, encapsulates what I just love about doing this, uh, uh, this, this podcast and what it means to me. So thank you very much. Your support means the world to me. And I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, be sure to subscribe. We leave a like, leave a rating if you can. Ratings help this podcast grow. So if you're on an app that you can leave a rating on, be sure to do that, especially if it's Spotify. That helps the show immensely. And with that, I'm going to sign off here today. Thank you so very much again for tuning in. And I will catch you next time on The Harder Show. Take it easy, guys.